together. We're serious and we have fun. <clears throat> I want to thank uh, right here at the top. Thank Pastor Ronnie and Pastor Margaret <clears throat> and the staff and the elders and the ad board and you as a congregation for what's now our 21st year as a family being here. How that's, if you don't think the Lord does miracles, my goodness. It's longer than I've been anywhere. That's exactly right. Um, it's humbling to be able to minister what the Lord puts in your heart within a church family for over two decades. Um, there's, there's a whole lot to be said in terms of continuity, even when you miss stuff and you have to correct stuff. And I don't mean correct people, I mean correct stuff. Like we went this way, we should have moved a little bit this direction. But the consistency here at the church has just been fabulous to grow, for Gene and I to grow our kids up here. So I, I never take it for granted, and I, I never diminish the fact that Pastor relinquishes his ministry time, pastors. Um, so we appreciate you all, and we appreciate you all appreciating us. <clears throat> I just wanted to do that at the top and get that out of the way, so to speak. And give you a little disclaimer, um, pastor's direction to us, at least as I understood it, was to bring testimony, but testimony in a specific sense about living drenched. So it's not really a testimony about how I got here. It's, a, it's, it's really a testimony about how I understand or how I approach or how I'm trying to apply living drenched. And with that being said, what I'm sharing with you is my testimony about how that works. I, I have no intention of telling you how it should work for you. That's between you and the Holy Ghost. And that's important to say right here at the top, because I don't, I don't want anybody to think that I'm giving you direction. I'm giving you testimony. There is a difference. But I will say this at the, at the top here, um, in terms of priority to work out from here. Divine presence is the key to living drenched. Without presence, without an abundance of presence, without uh, a, 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 an awareness of presence in our lives, it's very difficult to get to a point of living drenched. There's a, there is a fundamental difference between being in relationship to something, and some, to, to something or somebody, and being in relationship with something or somebody. Huge difference, and I'm not, I'm not playing with language, although I'm a kind of a language junkie. I, I'm, I'm saying that right here to, to move us into a place where we can deal with intimacy in terms of relationship for a little while. I'm going to deal with three points, as this other fellow said. Um, intimacy, oil, and conversation. I'm going to unpack each one of those, and at the back of each one of those points, I'm going to provide a little window of prayer for those that feel uh, so prompted based on what, what we just covered. So the reason that um, video was there, and I made that comment to remember what I had said when I said, you can see me, but I can't see you. You see, what you were doing is when that video came up, the attitude and the atmosphere in the room shifted. Because that, it, and rightly so. We began to look at the screen, we began to hear that information, and we began to take that data in. So you were all here, but I wasn't here. I was here when I made that, but that's the point. 
The point is, you were relating to me in terms of relationship, but you weren't relating with me. Because if you'd gave an amen to that video, I wouldn't have heard it. If you'd have tried to shout me down, I wouldn't have heard it. If you had a question that you wanted to bring, I wouldn't have responded to it because we were in two different places. So your ability to be in relationship with me when I'm on a flat screen. Yeah, well, I got one that understood. (laughs) Is considerably different than when we're actually in relationship to one another. Okay. Now, let me give you an example from real life. Gene and I have been married for, March was 36 years. And about six or eight months after we got married, we were on a youth retreat. In fact, these two and the Cobles, yeah, see. Quoting Jerry Garcia, what a long, strange trip it's been. (laughs) Come back, Wayne, come back, come back, come back. I was introduced to an artist named Bruce uh, Coburn, not Coble. You don't sing and write and play, do you? No. Bruce uh, Coburn. (laughs) Don't give that man a mic. And, and, And in being introduced to him, I began a relationship, Gene and I began a relationship to him through his music. Now, over the last 36 plus years, I've learned a lot about Bruce Coburn. I know his music. I've seen tons of YouTube-ish stuff. I've been to several of his concerts. We've had two or three conversations that were about three minutes or four minutes each over the years. And he just wrote a memoir of 520 pages that I just, I basically breezed through about the first two-thirds of it because I already knew it from his music. I'm related to Bruce Coburn, relationally, through his artistry. But I'm not intimate with Bruce Coburn. Uh, If I had to go to Bruce Coburn's house, I wouldn't be able to find it. I have no idea what he eats for breakfast. I don't know if he has any kind of jogging or any kind of exercise program. I don't know any of that. But I know him well in terms of data. I know him well in terms of what I've learned about him. But I'm not in relationship with him. Let's let's work this just a little bit. Gene and I basically have been involved together as a married couple as long as we've been involved with Bruce Coburn. But there's a huge difference. I am intimately involved with Jean. I know how she likes her eggs cooked. I know where she keeps her clothes, all of her clothes. Well, I think I can go there. See, I, I, in Africa, this is a whole other ballgame. In Africa, there are things you can't get away with in the West because, uh, because it's the West and it's not Africa. But you've already, you, ju- you just opened the door here. So I should just go ahead through there. You see, I am, I am so intimately involved with Jean that I know not only where she keeps her clothes, I know where she keeps her lingerie. We got up together this morning and I'm pretty sure I know what she's wearing. 
Wait for it. Wait for it. It's, it's coming. The difference in my relationship with Bruce and my relationship with Gene is I'm related to Coburn relationally, but I'm related with Gene intimately. Now, there's a, there's a real difference in terms of how we develop our relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost based on that. Could you put up that next slide, please? In order for a relationship to be developed in terms of intimacy, it has to be a two-way street. See, I have no two-way street with Coburn because he does not know me. He could come to my house and knock on the door and stay as long as he likes. But I don't even know where his door is. So that prohibits or limits our ability to be intimately involved with each other. In the Old Testament... Jehovah speaking through the prophet, he says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, there's a precondition to that. There's a, there's a benefit there, but there's also a precondition. The benefit is this. It's as if God is saying to us, my door is wide open. You could come to me anytime you head in my direction. But the precondition is if you seek me with all your heart. You know the phrase half-hearted? What does half-hearted mean? It means less than whole-hearted. So I think you could make a case from Scripture this way. If you seek me with all your heart, you can count on the fact that anytime you're seeking for me, I'll let you find me. However, if you're seeking me with less than your whole heart, you may not find as much of me as you would like to. And you see, that has a bearing on intimacy because you can know someone in terms of what you know about them and not be related with them. The counterbalance to this is in the New Testament, on the New Covenant, where, Paul, where John speaks prophetically. The voice of Jesus is coming through Paul prophetically. The first part of that verse is not really the point. The, the back part is, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus is saying, sort of echoing his father, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is saying, our door is open to us. But when I come to knock on your door, is your door open to me? And the answer to that will determine how much you grow in intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's welcoming us in. I'm, this conversation is not about salvation, although the, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, maybe that will change by the end of the service. And it's not about sin per se. It's certainly not about keeping us out of glory. It's about how an intimate relationship is solidified, nurtured and solidified. It has to be an open corridor. I can come to your house. You can come to my house. Okay? Okay? Thank you. It's just an insecurity on my part. I just need to know you're actually there. I'm not on a flat screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things that's happened in the last 45 or 50 years in the church is our theology has, it's not wrong theology, not bad theology, but it's shifted. It's kind of it's listing to one side. We, 
we've moved over into a theological, a theological perspective that has language like this. Let's go to church and meet the Lord. It's not wrong. I'm not dealing with right or wrong. But we, we've adopted this understanding that there's some geographical place where geographical stuff happens when we meet, and in that space, the Holy Ghost will show up. Now, when that takes place, we have an experience with God's presence, and we go, well, I've met with Jesus. And the difficulty with that is not so much the language, it's how that language works into our lives. Because as that language works into our lives, we start finding ourselves thinking there are places that he's not. You know, the old, remember that, that whole marketing, well, that whole marketing thing happened with the what would Jesus do bracelet and what would Jesus do everything, doorstops and, you know, lanterns and, you know, ten, bottoms of tennis shoes. Welcome to America. That, 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 that whole concept, what would Jesus do, in a sense, was a trigger for us to go, okay, what would Jesus do in, in any specific situation? It was never meant to go, what would Jesus do? Let me go ask Pastor Margaret. In order to be about intimacy in a relationship, you have to realize that if the father said, if you seek me with all your heart, I'll let you find me, then the only thing that has to happen is to live actively in a search for him, not, oh, is he over there, is he over there, is he over there, but going, where is he actually? Could you put up the next slides, please? For, for time's sake, I'm not going to speak, I'm not going to read through this. This basically, Psalm 139, 7 through 12, this basically says, rather than say, where can I go? Where can I go to find him? The best way to say that is, where can I go that I can't find him? Saints, saints, we don't think that way now. We don't, because it's sort of a it's sort of a recalibrating or a rebooting okay theologically to get to the place where we understand that he's abiding in us the next slide please teach them to observe all that i command you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age and then the back of uh Hebrews 13, I will never desert you, or, uh, nor will I ever forsake you. Those three passages from the Psalms and these two New Testament passages, they're either true or they're not. He's, he, he sort of will be with me. You know, if I can get around some other believers, or if I, I'm sure I don't miss my daily devotional, or if I send in money to TBN, or not. <laughs> He's with us because he indwells us. Paul says in Corinthians, know you not. No, let's be King James about it. Where's Justin? He's gone. Uh, Know ye not that you are the temple of the living God or the temple of the Holy Ghost, depending upon how you want to interpret that. See, it's a question. It's not like be assured that you're the temple of the living God. Paul says, don't you know that you are? So this is not like a contemporary thing. It's just that it needs some readjusting, which is what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to readjust our understanding to go anywhere you go, if you're a Christian and the Holy Ghost is indwelling your life, then wherever you go, he is there. 
You don't have to get to him. Now, that has a real bearing, dovetail back, to being in an intimate relationship with someone. See, I don't have to go to a place where Gene is to be intimately connected to Gene because the history of our relationship is based on intimacy. So if I'm, if she doesn't go to Africa and I'm on the other, hi, Jenny, and, and I go to the other side of the planet, my intimacy with her isn't broken. It's not like, oh, I need to get back to America so we can be intimate. Don't hear that wrong. Uh, I, I need to. I need, I, I need to understand that I'm intimate with her even if I'm not in proximity to her. And I transfer that to him, to him. If he's in us, then where do we have to go to get to him? Where? Where we at? Right. Uh, where we at? Right. Not, not where we at, but where we at. Right, right, right. Right. Okay. In terms of intimacy, developing a relationship based on intimacy, if anything I've said, if the Holy Ghost has worked in any way in any of your lives, showing you or, or stirring you or touching you with an understanding that you're not, as, you're not cultivating intimacy to the degree that you probably should, would you stand up? And I, I'm already standing, so... Father, look down upon the people in this room, the men and women in this room, young and old, together and untogether, <laughs> strong and, and trying to get strong at the same time. Look down on us. In humility, we stand up corporately and we say, do, we, we, we ask you to do whatever you have to do to get us to a place where we cultivate intimacy with you rather than knowing things about you. Move us to a place where we know you. Jesus' name. You may be seated. Point number two. One of the things that's been consistent since Pastor Barbie mentioned living drenched, the Lord gave her that phrase, and she said that phrase is sort of a, a inclusive for how she understands the relationship of water from the Scripture and there's tons of verses, we won't deal with that. But that's a very, living drenched, you won't find those words in your Bible, but it's a very genuine place to go from because it, you can ground it in Scripture. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, etc., etc. Uh, deep cries out to deep. You, you, you know, you can find them in your own time. But most of the time when living drenched has been mentioned in this house, it's related to water, which is sound. It's certainly fine. But when that first came up, some time back. That's not how it hit me. It hit me in terms of oil. Because oil is not only a component and a, a, a type and shadow, a manifestation of the Holy Ghost in Scripture. Oil is critical in terms of how we move drenched. Because the process of getting oiled, if you will, is connected with being anointed. In the Old Testament, very briefly, in the Old Testament, when somebody received an anointing, they received the anointing as a validation of either who they are or what they were going to do or as a, as a symbol of release to be about accomplishing something under an anointing. Are you breathing? Okay. And in the process of doing that, Old Testament, when an anointing took place, it wasn't 
you know, a drop of oil on the forehead. In the Old Testament, it was a, a ram's horn or something to that nature poured out and, and drenching who got oiled. So when you got oiled, not only did you get messed up, Well, I can throw this suit away. When you got up from the anointing, there was a spot where the oil that had come off you gathered. So you could move under the anointing, but some of the fragrance or some of the scents or some of the unction shows up where you were. But in order for that to happen, you had to be positioned by somebody that would anoint you. If an anointing's happening over there and it's for me and I'm over here, you can forget about me getting drenched. It's not going to happen. I've got to get to where the anointer is, which has to do with intimacy. See, doing an analytical study about what anointing looks like and feels like and how it worked is one thing. But if you want to get anointed, you've got to get past the information and you've got to get to the person with the oil because you won't get anointed any other way. In the New Testament, oil was more of a smearing. An anointing was a smearing, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't just a touch. There was a saturation that began to take place. So that is connected under the New Testament with the direction that we have in Scripture in Ephesians about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, if you work through that language, isn't singular, saints. Hello, hello. It's... uh, It's being filled on a regular, ongoing basis. It's multiple fillings. It's ongoing fillings. It's I need more oil in my life. I need fresh oil in my life. Now, let me move to the natural for just a minute, so stay with me because some of you are going to go, I beg your pardon. Look, oil, when you put oil in an engine, uh, a lawnmower or your automobile or sewing machine, when you put oil in there, the reason you put oil there is to be a buffer, a buffering agent between the pieces of the machinery that rub against each other and get hot, very hot. And if there's not a, a lubricating agent in there, the engine will freeze up or, or lock up and you've got to buy a new car or a new lawnmower because the engine doesn't work anymore because you had a problem with oil. Oil in the natural... In order for oil to be oily, it's called being viscous. Viscous oil just means that the oil is oily. It also means that the oil is clean. Stay with me. You can also measure the level of viscousness of oil by finding out what the viscosity of the oil is. In order for oil to be oily... It has to be viscous, filled with viscosity. And the way you get oil oily and keep it that way is you keep it clean. And if it doesn't stay clean, you drain it out and start over. That's why we have to change oil in the equipment we have. I'll I'll just park you for just a second and let that kind of work through, okay? In terms of the anointing of oil in our lives, the reason, one of the reasons that oil is in our life 
is because in terms of interaction, like the parts of an engine, what we do to one another, we, we love to quote the phrase iron sharpens iron, but we never fill that in. We just say iron sharpens iron. Do, do, are you assuming that iron sharpening iron is like fun and games? In order to get the iron sharpening another iron, you've got to rub those things together and sparks fly and heat comes up. And, you know, if, if, the, if, the, if the two blades could talk, you hey, back off, dude. What you doing to me? Well, welcome to humanity. One of the reasons we have oil in our engines, I'm talking in metaphor because that's part of how I live. One of the reasons we have oil in our engines is so that when we rub up against each other, <laughs> Now, the engine doesn't. The engine doesn't lock up. So when conflicts or buffeting or disagreement or pressure is happening in our lives, as long as we've got fresh oil, we'll be okay. Look at somebody around you and say, "I'm okay." Are you? <laughs> if oil is doing its job properly then what happens is the oil picks up residue from the engine. It picks up little infinitesimal pieces that come off the metal parts and they work their way into the oil. And when that happens, the oil starts to get dirty. And when it starts to get dirty, it loses its viscosity and it's no longer viscous and it needs to be replaced. The way you replace dirty oil in the spirit realm isn't to open up your crankcase and drain it out. It's going, God, I need fresh oil. I need something in me, if for no other reason than to help me get along with the people I'm rubbing up against. Rather than make you stand up and sit down, let me do this because I'm headed to the other point. This is, this is my belief. In this church, there's not enough oil in this church. There's a lot of oil in this church. This church has never had a split. The leadership in this church has stayed strong and together for almost 38 years. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And in the process of doing that, not only are a lot of people, not, not only are many of you here less than, say, five, eight, ten years, you know, the people that have come and gone, most of the people that have come and gone have not left here mad and ugly and talking us down and going, that, what a church, why would you ever go back to that church? That church is cultic. No, no, no. Generally speaking, the people that have left here have left because the Lord called them out or they moved away or, you know, they felt some leading to another church. Do you understand how blessed we are? That's not the norm, saints. My goodness. When I say we don't have enough oil, that's, I'm not, that's not like a heavy-handed Pastor Wayne thing. We all understand what that looks like. <laughs> no, 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 no. The oil that we need isn't just so we can get along with one another. Go back to what I said about anointing. It's so that we're saturated in such a way that when we go somewhere, we leave spots. We leave wet spots. 
We leave a wet spot at Walmart. We leave a wet spot at school. We leave a wet spot down, you know, at Carpe Diem. We leave places where the evidence of what's moving in our lives is manifesting around us. And when that starts happening, we're activating the anointing that the Lord has given us to take care of business. So, Father, don't stand. Just raise a hand if, if you want more oil in your life. Father, this is just another prayer request. It's another plea. It's another heart plea from the people in this church, from this congregation. Just ask you to rain down, pour out, open up, <laughs> open the spout where the glory comes out and just, 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 just ooze that down. Uh, just like the oil of oil running down Aaron's beard, flowing down, etc., 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 etc. You know, the whole unity thing that we need is keyed into the anointing of fresh oil in our lives, oh God. So we just beckon your spirit to oil us up in the Holy Ghost. Jesus' name. Last point. Conversation. Um, who's, Jill, could you change the... Thank you. God may speak to you in a number of ways, but this is my testimony. So there, this isn't wrong. How can it be wrong? I'm not telling you to do it. I told you that at the top. It's my testimony. If you had the mic, you could give your testimony. <laughs> and maybe sometime you will. God speaks through his word. Um, Psalm 119, 105, Hebrews 4, 12, James 1, 22, and 1 John 2, 5. All of these things and many, many more speak about how important the word is in our lives and how the, how the word speaks to our lives. So if you're, if you're pursuing an intimate relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and in that you are purposing to be in a position where the anointer can anoint you with oil to be about service for the kingdom, then one of the things that you have to do in that intimate relationship is you have to learn how to communicate. So when Pastor Ronnie gets up and he makes a statement based on the word that he's sharing, and he shares it as a personal thing, you know, he says, well, the Lord has shown me this, and every, every, every time I try to move under the umbrella of love or grace or mercy, which... He, he does. The, the Lord seems to bless that. I, I don't know how many times I've heard pastors say, you know, I, I extend mercy because I need mercy back. Okay, so, so he's applying that. But when he's applying that and sharing it from a personal standpoint, he's not saying, you'll be fine if you'll just listen to me do this. He's saying, you need to learn to do the same thing I'm doing because that's how it, bears how it bears fruit in his life and that's how it bears fruit in your life. So my point is, if you're going to communicate in a relationship that you're inti pursuing intimacy with, then you have to find out how to communicate. Well, the first way to communicate is through the Word of God. If you're not active in the Word of God, you're going to have a problem with intimacy. It's not going to happen. So, you know, I know on one level it seems like the, all our lives when we grow up in church, read the Word, be in the Word every morning, be sure you don't skip the... Yeah. The reason that people say that isn't because they get royalties back because they're encouraging people to read the NASB or the message or, you know, that, that's not the point. The point is, this is what the Word says to me, and I realize when I apply it in my life, I move toward living drenched in such a way that I hear your voice through the Word. Next slide, please. Um, 
I so want to read this, but we don't have time. <laughs> Joe, you can make note. I'm just saying this so it's on the tape. Tape? Do we still use tape? <clears throat> Job, 20, <laughs> Job 26, 7 through 14, Psalm, 1, Psalm 19, 1, and Romans 1, 20. God's, Romans 1.20 is the, probably the best example, at least, at least I think it is. He says the invisible attributes of God, how he moves, how he works, what his personality is, what his whims are, how he intends to accomplish something. Part of how he manifests that is through nature. And he says men are out, he says mankind, humankind's without excuse. So this is what he's saying. Please listen. Do this real quick. Put your hand on your head and say, pay attention. Look, look. Learn to look at the sky. Learn to go out and stand in your backyard. Learn to pull over from the side of the road and go, I'm going to take five minutes and just roll the window down and just listen to the birds. Connect yourself to the planet that you're on, saints. Don't live in a digital world. I'm sorry. Don't live in the digital world. I don't have to. Old saints did just fine. They didn't need a microphone. I'm an old saint, so they There are hidden attributes of God connected in nature, but you have to pull them out of nature. You can't get them out of a book. PBS special on nature won't get you there. Next slide, please. Ah, divine happenstance. Romans 8, 28. How many times I've wanted to mark that out of my Bible? Now, I would have thought you'd all find that funny. Maybe I guess you all embrace that verse much easier than I do. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 11. And what is it, James 1, 2 through 4. Actually, just let me deal with the James verse for just a second. James says, consider it all joy when you fall into a mess. When all the wheels come off your wagon, when everything that you understood based on scripture, you had locked in and claimed in Jesus name and then it unraveled. It's in your Bible, too. All three of those verses are all saying the same thing. Nothing touches us that doesn't first pass through God's hands. Nothing. Nothing touches us without first passing through God's hands. And what the word directs us to is this. Learn to adapt to how life is working, even when life is working not like you hoped it would. Based on the fact that you have been pursuing a fresh anointing, and based on the fact that you have been trying to cultivate an intimate relationship so that you understand that the circumstances you're in may be past your reasoning. I want to be able to look in everybody's face. It may be past what you can get your head around. But if you're in an intimate relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, then what you will do is you will go, Daddy knows best because he's sovereign. And we lose that. Point three, point two, point one, because we are not as intimately involved with the Trinity as we need to be. 
the more we're involved with the Trinity on an in, uh, intimate basis, the more we can count it all joy when everything I had purposed just blew up in front of me. I will raise my hand first. Will you raise yours? Father, we are not there. And our representation on this earth of your kingdom, righteousness, joy, and peace, have to flow somehow or other out of our belief system that all things are working for the good to those that are called in Christ Jesus. So will you help us to get there? In Jesus' name, for Christ's sake. I want to close with... um, I want to read you just very short. If the team could find their way back up, please. This book is, it's, this is my utmost for its highest. Pastor Bruce, Pastor Bruce gave me this, gave Gene and I this book 37 years ago. And we wore it out. It's all, we, we have other copies, but I was in this book the other day knowing what I was going to share with you. And I read this. It does not matter what my circumstances are. I can be as sure of abiding in Jesus in them as if I were in a prayer meeting. I have not to change and arrange my circumstances at all. With our Lord, the inner abiding was unsullied. He was at home with God wherever his body was placed. In the initial stages of this process, it is a continual effort until it becomes so much the law of life that you abide in him unconsciously, determined to abide in Jesus wherever you are placed.